Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Filled with awe and fright, see Jurassic right, bathe in ember light, see Jurassic right, see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, 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 see Jurassic right, see Jurassic right, see Jurassic Park. I don't even know if you need an introduction. You have, you were in Jurassic Park, one of the most iconic unnamed characters, but we'll talk about that in a second. It's Whit Hertford. Hi, 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 hi. Thank you so much for, for joining me. I have to credit my girlfriend, Brenna White, for putting us in contact. I think, I mean, I just want to dive into the basics. I mean, just from us talking before that, you know, directing theater is probably your passion. But when you were a kid, did you want to be an actor growing up? And what was like, when did you first sort of, I don't know, it, it seems like acting is such a like, you know, capital, capital A kind of profession when you're like in the game of life, you know, it's like firefighter, <laughs> you know, uh, accountant, actor, like, how do you go from, from just like, watching movies as a kid to being like, I want to be, you know, in there performing. Right. Yeah. So the first professional thing that I did, I was, I was four. It was a Care Bear, uh, Buster Brown shoe commercial. Buster Brown was like a chain of shoe stores in the, uh, eighties. And so, yeah, I was, I was, uh, 
I was in this, this commercial and really how it started was <clears throat> my, my dad was a, a teacher, a professor of, of theater. Um, he taught acting and, and directing and my mom uh, was an actress when, and they kind of got together through that. And I think they just saw that I was, you know, extroverted and that I, um, at one time in my life was really cute. <laughs> and, uh, so they, yeah, I th they just tried it. Cause you know, you're here in LA and my dad, my dad was like teaching at Pepperdine or something. And I think they just thought, well, maybe for a little extra income, we can see if this works and see if he likes it. And I did. And through that entire chapter of my life, um, as a, as a kid, my, my mom, who essentially raised me on her, on her own, uh, she'd always ask me if I, if I liked doing it, if I wanted to keep doing it. She never, it was never a, uh, thing that she just assumed. She always would ask and she kept us pretty normal. So it was just a thing where like, it was kind of in the genes and then I guess we got lucky. I mean, we all worked really hard for it too. And, and when I was a kid, I, I liked it. It was a hobby and I thought it was so fun. But I also took it kind of seriously, whereas I think other kids that I would see at auditions or whatever either felt very much like <laughs> like they were being forced to do it and that they did not like it very much. And well, yeah. Well, I've I've worked with Christine Lake in a bunch. I used to um Oh interesting. Uh, yeah. I used to produce her podcast and oh, cool. and engineered and everything. And I feel like I got a lot of insight into what that kind of world was like at the time, especially because we would, you know, we had Jody Sweeten on and Beverly Mitchell and we, I feel yeah, like I yeah. got the gamut of a lot of those TGI Friday folks. And I feel like Christine was very similar where I feel like it, it seemed like to her, she kind of took it a little bit more seriously. And I could imagine it'd be so fun. I mean, as a kid, you're just, when I was a kid, I was just sitting at home, you know, playing video games and watching this stuff on TV, but you were like <laughs> in it like that to me seems I can totally see now why, why wouldn't you want to try that? Especially if you're in LA where it's actually kind of accessible. Totally accessible. And, um, and my parents were really good at being, you know, like our managers because my sisters ended up doing it too. Um, so it kind of became a family thing, but what I'm really grateful for is that, you know, I went to public school. I never got emancipated. I never lived in Hollywood. We lived in, you know, the suburbs and yeah, so like without that, it might have been a different experience. But because I think I I was kept pretty grounded, that that was, re it was you know quite helpful. Did you audition for Jurassic Park? I did. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Christine Lakin's married to one of my buddies, and Jody Sweeten was uh, uh, my first crush. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this this world is too small. I mean, we were talking even yeah. before, but like, yeah, it's just such a. Such a small world and her podcast worst ever. I feel like I'm really sad. I don't work on it anymore, but it almost seemed like a little bit of therapy for some people who acted when they were young and, and, oh, yeah, you know, sure. it, and just getting to share those experiences of what that world is like. Cause it's, it's that thing of like, yeah, like that was so far removed from anything that, that I could even imagine. And, and, and even for a kid where you're kind of, you know, being an adult in a way, like getting you, you are working. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, sorry, I totally leapfrogged over your question. No, no, um, no. Yeah. I, I auditioned for it. My mom had read the book and in the book, the kids as a JP aficionado, I'm sure you know this, the kids are reversed in ages. Yeah. And so I thought 
that my audition was to go for the older brother. And when we got there, it wasn't that, (laughs) but that was like, it was totally fine. And it was like very weird. They, it was a casting director and she videotaped me and she read a, she read like a scary dinosaur story to me. I think it was a dinosaur story. It might've just been like some weird ghost story. And she just filmed my reaction. And that was it. I didn't say a single line. It was literally like I was, you know, silent film acting. And the, as legend has it, they, they sent it to, to Spielberg and he kind of handpicked it, which is cool. Cause I mean, there, there aren't that many speaking rules in the movie, I guess. I mean, what, like 30, something like that. That's it's not a pretty, it's time. a pretty small movie. Like right. retrospectively looking back, it's a very small, it's a very, as far as like blockbusters go nowadays, I mean, you look at like Avengers or something and there's like a hundred characters. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so that was it. And it was, it was thrilling. I knew exactly that it was going to be massive. And I was already, you know, like E.T. is a formative movie for me just as you know, in my, in my personal life. And, uh, and so, yeah, I knew it was going to be big and, and we went and we shot that sucker in the desert and it was like 120 degrees. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, Brendan and I just visited that place actually. on her Yeah. That's what show. she was saying. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I had no idea. And she was like, this place looks familiar. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, wasn't this where they shot the you know, six foot turkey scene and the, you know, the dig site in, in Jurassic Park. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. And just like quickly Googling, like, uh, you know, Jurassic Park, dig site, six foot turkey, you know, like just trying Crazy. to find the location. So you were you able to get to the exact landing spot? I don't think so. I feel oh, like, okay. I mean, there's definitely been, there's like some hardcore folks who like, you know, every location, like you can visit the gas station in the lost world. Like people like are obsessed, but it's off the beaten track. I mean, I remember that they had to shuttle us. It was so hot that they had to shuttle us from base camp to, to that little tent area where the, the fossils are. And it really was only like a three minute walk so maybe a minute drive Whoa. but it was so hot that they made us get in the vans and and they shuttled us oh wow. that was crazy yeah so what was that day like do you remember anything about it at all yeah loads uh i i did two days on that um shoot uh and i remember very i remember so many details which is crazy now that it's you know three how many decades 93 right yeah yeah so, so it'll like, be almost 30 years. Oof, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we did some improv. I remember that. That's always kind of a funny thing that most people don't know is that we, I remember there was a moment where he wanted, or Steven wanted me to, uh, walk across the fossil and like, kind of like be a, be a punk about it. And that then Sam Neill was going to yell at me. And that, and so he won't, we did that. We rehearsed it. And I remember Spielberg, <laughs> he's so excited. Like he, he really does like make kids feel very special. He's a very good child's director. That's awesome. And he was like, okay, when you go past camera this time, after he yells at you, just under your breath, cause I was miked. I want you to call him an asshole. <laughs> so somewhere there's that footage. Oh my uh, gosh. I mean, I would imagine, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not like gone, gone, but yeah, so they had that. And I was really bummed when the film came out that that got cut. Cause I was really excited to, 
I came from a very religious background growing up. And so anytime I could be a little bit naughty was like exciting. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. I mean, also like as a dinosaur kid, there's something a little bit relatable about him. So like, even though he's, you know, being kind of a punk, I feel like there is that idea of like, you know, if you grew up a dinosaur kid, it's like you, you know, I, you know, I used to sleep with a dinosaur encyclopedia under my pillow. So it's oh like, my God. you know, any wow. chance that you get to like, you know, bring up a dinosaur fact or whatever. Like when I was, I was, I was the volunteer boy as a kid, you know? And, oh wow. and so I went, cool. and so I wonder if Spielberg maybe thought that, um, cause I was looking at some early drafts of the script and stuff and there is moments where that character has a bit of more in that sense, more of being like outwardly kind of being a dick, right? <laughs> you right. know, frankly. And I wonder if maybe Spielberg wanted, cause it's kind of like how there's, and I don't know if you remember this at all, or if, if you were around when this was being filmed, but there's like mo a moment in that, um, in that part of the movie where like Ellie and Grant kiss, but they don't have that in the movie. And it's like, I wonder if Spielberg was like, let's just pull it back and make it a little bit more up to interpretation. So I wonder if it was like that with your, with yeah, your I think character. that that's, I think that's probably like a real true hallmark of a, of a special filmmaker, special creative or artist is that, you know, if it's too on the nose, you, you take away the audience's ability to draw their own conclusions, to create their own narrative, which is half of storytelling. It shouldn't always be just that, you know, on the nose. And when things are, you really can feel it, you know, and it kind of looks schlocky. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely feel like I definitely find him more relatable, and and at the same time, it's like well, that's nice because most people most most people fucking hate my guts in that movie. <laughs> oh no, you're not the volunteer boy. You are you are wit. You're your own person. <laughs> yeah, like I that'd be funny if I had that weird cut like complex. No, they they. It's funny how people will always oh oh yeah you're that guy. I hated that kid. <laughs> you're like cool i mean i was still you know what i mean it's not i wasn't doing that much of a character so there's something about that that when i was you know in my teenage years right after we shot it because i was uh i was 14 when we shot that oh wow yeah so you know forever immortalized in my like my baby fat and my <laughs> like super awkward phase uh and so when people would make like uh, comments about that you know when you're a teenager, you're still, you're still kind of a kid. And so you would take it personally. You would go, well, maybe that means you don't like me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, just I'm over thankful. it. I've gone to therapy, man. No, I'm no, but it. I'm just thankful like Twitter and stuff didn't exist then, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you, did you get to, obviously, um, you worked with Sam, but did mm. you work with, did you get to work with Laura Dern at all or just, just meet her on the day? Uh, it was, so they, we were all shuttled there and we all kind of lived in, or, you know, the hotels were all kind of nearby. And so, no, yeah, we had, we had a, uh, convo, I think it was from the hotel to the set where I was like super angsty preteen listening to my disc man. And I was <laughs> listening to this new band from Seattle called Pearl Jam. Whoa. Yeah, man. Holy shit. <laughs> Isn't that wild? And I remember Laura Dern being like. What are you listening to? And I was like, no, oh, it's this band. It's called, they're called Pearl Jam. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is like kind of rad that like I was telling Laura Dern what was cool. You yeah. know, I kind of love it. Oh man. And what was it like working with Sam? And he's very intense. I remember that like 
he's nice. He's 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 warm, but it's not like it wasn't Spielberg warm. That's like Spielberg's very like Americana kind of kitschy, right? Whereas Sam is intense and like I think he really sort of I got the impression that he kind of he has to see if you're for real or if you're going to be a pain in the ass <laughs> and then he'll let you in. Right. Interesting. I've always wanted to, I mean, cause I love him and I love Peaky Blinders and I've loved his whole career and I've, I've always wanted to reconnect with him specifically. I was actually, cause I've done every job in the world. I've done every survival job I've done. I've had every sort of Hollywood like trope existence. Um, and I was catering the independent film awards, independent spirit awards mm-hmm. uh, last year. And, and Laura Dern was there for marriage story. And I tried really hard to be like within eye, like eye range, you know, during the commercial breaks or whatever. And, and, uh, but I was like, I don't know if she'd even put that together. I say so what's weird is some people, I've been recognized with a mask on, which is wild. People are like, oh yeah, it's your freaky eyes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Calm but, down. <laughs> but then there, there's some other times where people are like, oh, I, you look totally different. I would have never recognized you. So I have no idea. Huh. Well, I mean, I, and I get that about Sam too, because I mean, he's a Kiwi and I feel like, because I studied abroad in New Zealand and I could definitely see that like as kind of you know, I feel like the flight of the Concord sort of thing of like kind of this very, I don't know, more like humble or like down to earth kind of personality, but them also being like, they're very like of the salt of the earth. Like they want to make sure that you're, you are as grounded as they are in a way or something like that. Yeah. And I think they're, they're really like their humor is so much smarter. They're very sarcastic, you know, not unlike people in the UK. I think there's sort of a similarity there. Oh, totally. But yeah, I met those two. I never, I saw, we got picked up on the Universal lot and then they shuttled us out to Mojave. You know, I think there were some crew people, some extras, myself. And I remember that the van, because we had to park at Universal Studios on the back lot. And I remember as we're getting in the van, that Goldblum walked by the van and it was, that was very exciting because I knew exactly, you know, they had yeah, already yeah. announced the cast or whatever. Um, so those were the only people that I met. I uh, actually, uh, like my senior year of high school, I got so interested in Sir Richard Attenborough and I, I had this like final project <laughs> um, that I, you know, you had to pick some sort of like icon. And so I picked him and did this whole report on which now in hindsight i'm going like man that's probably so annoying as my classmates to be like we get it we get (laughs) it man you know like always drawn but it was i just thought he was fascinating as an actor yeah it was in in no ways to be like you know because we're in the same movie (laughs) well yeah you're just like you just like um sound a bell every time you reference that you're in the same movie together (laughs) exactly that's funny what um what was it like because to me it's always that because i actually interviewed lauren lapkus on this podcast oh, crazy. Um, who you've worked with and yeah. to me and especially for her because she was acting against a lot of like you know she's on the phone with bryce dallas howard she is looking at a lot of computer screens that just are going to be filled in later and mm-hmm. so uh, like you mentioned earlier about you know filming this scene that wasn't in the movie like there's this to me it seems like there's such a disconnect 
between what you're filming and then eventually what you see in the theaters um, because, you know, there's all this other, you know, you have this scene and then there's the rest of the movie. What was it like, uh, you know, seeing the final film? Really exciting, man. I mean, you know, I went to one of the screenings, not the screening, but there was like another screening in LA here uh, for the riffraff. <laughs> and, and then I saw, you know, I, oh, I went and saw it a couple other times. I went with a big friend group, which was really really exciting oh that's cool yeah they all kind of like set it up they're like you know it was weird because when i was growing up there were definitely it wasn't i i mean i was bullied kind of relentlessly because i was an actor and kids were so threatened and shitty (laughs) and so they would you know it wasn't all it wasn't like a a charmed existence that way so when it was coming out and the fact that there was a lot of people that, you know, my friends at school that were really supportive and they were like, yeah, let's take a whole group of friends and go. So, it was probably like, I don't know, 20, 25 friends of mine. We went and saw it and they would stand up in the middle, you know, and point and be like, he's right here, <laughs> which is kind of, which was really exciting. You know, it's just flattering. It's really flattering. It's that like weird balance of like wanting to be proud of the thing that you've done, but then also like but you have your own thoughts about it and then having to sort of feel all that around other people at the same time. Well, yeah. And again, like I, like I said uh, earlier that when you're being, you know, forever documented and immortalized through the most cringy part of adolescence is, is, is kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, And especially if you like, you know, if you're like, oh, I, I've always had dealt with weight issues or whatever. Um, I remember that when that came out and, you know, you're on a big screen like that. And I was, I definitely was, you know, kind of a chubby kid after I gained a lot of weight uh, from the ages of 10 to 13. Because I was dealing with my, my dad passed away when I was 10 and it kind of shook my yeah. core. And so... I definitely was that kid that was just like kind of going through trauma. But as soon as I saw that it was <laughs> immortalized, I, man, I was playing basketball every day. I lost wow. weight so quickly. It really sort of made me go like, all right, well, who knows now? <laughs> I don't want to be that person forever. I, I wanted, I looked into this cause I had never thought about it before until, um, uh, we were going to chat, but because you're listed as volunteer boy in the credits, yeah, and some earlier drafts, there was a David Kep first draft list and uh-huh. list your characters intern, final draft list, um, list them as kid. Uh, did you have a name on set, or, or did you have like a name for yourself, or did Spielberg give your character a name at all, or anything like that? This is this is the dirt, man. This is like the hot tea. So the only reference to any sort of name. Uh, wasn't in script, right? Like you're saying, no, there was nothing in an audition, but on my contract, it was the first contract I ever looked at too, because I was 14. And also my stepdad uh, was my guardian and I hated him, super hated him. He was this like redneck. It was just like bad stuff, man. Very much, very much like a honey boy situation. Oh God. Right. And, uh, <laughs> very relatable and i was bummed because i wanted my mom to go with me to the, i was like this is the biggest fucking thing i've ever done and anyway so he went with me and so i kind of like told him to buzz off all the time i'd be like you know 
<laughs> give me some space, man. Yeah, this and, is my day. <laughs> he was all he was like trying to take pictures of Spielberg and stuff. Like he was, oh make, god, make, oh, dude, it was so embarrassing. I mean, and it's fun now that th- things like this where I can kind of just like air it out. <laughs> but oh, please uh, do. He also his name was Steve Martin, and so he always Look. thought that was so funny. He'd be like, "I'm not that one, not oh. the comedian." I'd be like, "Yeah, no shit, man." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the, I remember like kind of having all the ADs talk to me and not him. And so they gave me the contract and I went in my trailer to, to sign it or whatever. And on the contract, it said in quotes, Eddie. So the name <sighs> at one point was Eddie. Whoa, this is blowing. <laughs> is that a mind blower? This is blowing my mind. <laughs> I know. It's kind of fun. It's good little, it's good little like juicy, juicy little bits. Well, yeah, because my guess would have been Andrew. He looked like an Andrew to me. <laughs> But mostly because my my like one of my closest friends growing up, like around the time when Jurassic Park came out, was named Andrew. Uh huh. Um, Brenna said Tyler or Devin. <laughs> this is great. This is a really this is a good drinking game, actually. And so I um I the Sea Jurassic Right podcast Facebook group. I asked people. I didn't I didn't want to spoil the surprise that we were chatting, but I said, mm. "What do you think his name would have been?" <laughs> And so I'm just going to read a handful <laughs> to you if you don't mind. Brad, yeah, let's um, do it. So Christian, uh, he says that volunteer boy that he looks like a Justin. <laughs> I, I think you're going to see a theme here of a lot of very '90s names. Liz, for, sh- for sure. Liz uh, says that you that your character looked like a Joey. Okay. Mm, um, we have Allison and Guadalupe that say that you looked like a Chad. No, no <laughs> one wants to look like a Chad. I don't, I don't agree with that one. I don't agree with like, it, Rihanna also says that you look like a Chad, but I don't, I disagree. I feel like you're too sweet. That character's he's like too sweet to be a Chad. Yeah, he's not. He's a, he's a like obnoxious kid, but he's not a bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christina says, Mike, we got. Tommy from Meg. We got another Kevin. I think Kevin goes home alone. Right. <laughs> That's funny, man. Wait, what were the ones that Brenna said? Uh, she said Devin or Tyler. Tyler. I, I'm feeling a Tyler. Ed, but doesn't Eddie make sense? Uh, Eddie makes sense to me. That yeah. that because it's you're like precocious, but you're smart, you know. And I think an Eddie, Eddie's kind of like a hey, you know, like a you know, it's like you're you're um, rolling dice out in the dirt, you know. Yeah. Some of the other paleontologists who are like bored, you know. It's a real like shithead kid now, where it's <laughs> like, oh man, you see Ed, Eddie keeps coming over here, breaking all of our furniture. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny that's a great that's great that you did that yeah i'm trying to see if there's any other ones that are kind of fun roxy says ryan i mean again it's just a yeah. lot of these you know very 90s na- you know if you think about that it's like those names were kind of boring back like the the popular names for kids at that point the boy names were really boring weren't they yeah i think and it's and in a weird way it feels like that's why <laughs> i wonder if this has anything to do with why like either people our age or a little bit older started naming all their kids like Dylan and Grayson and like, right. you know, all these right. like, kind of like longer, more eloquent names because yeah, the nineties were big, like one or two syllable kind of kid names. That was also maybe that year, the year before was the year where I, I remember I had a conversation with my mom in our minivan <laughs> where uh, I was like, I am not Whitby anymore. I am Wit. I want to go by Wit. Because it was, Whitby was not a cool name to have growing up. Like, K- 
kids didn't give a shit that it's a town in England. They're like, so what? Do you think you're better than me? Like they, <laughs> they didn't care about that. But now in my personal life, it's like, it's having a bit of a uh, revival. Like it's, it's always funny if I'm, you know, like my, my friends that I've had for a long time, I think it's kind of a term of, it's, it's an endearing thing that they'll call me Whitby. Um, and, or like if I'm, if you're like vibing with somebody, I always know when, you know, some sort of flirtation or sort of, some sort of interest is happening because they will start to call me Whitby, uh-huh. you know? And I love it, that. Yeah, it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. But now I've told too many people that. So now I think people uh, will probably stop doing it. <laughs> you spelled it. You spelled that, the secrets. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, yeah, Whitby, Whitby Hertford sounds like you're like uh, next in line to be Q, you know, in James <laughs> Bond. It's like, it sounds like you know a lot about gadgets and gears. Whitby, and Flint, Hertford, or in Britain, they say Hartford because Hertfordshire. But um, oh, oh, it's okay. a mouthful, man. It's a, it's a goddamn mouthful. And, and, my sister's got Chelsea and Brighton, which were also the thematic things of, of English places, but much more uh, uh, normalized names than Whitby. So, Well, this, this, I mean, I think this is a good bridge. I had a couple other questions that I think we can get back to, but yeah, because you ended up going to, to London and, and I mean, it feels like you were kind of destined, I mean, with all this kind of English um, you know, sort of history and in, in the names and everything in your family. Yeah. I, uh, when I interviewed for grad schools in Chicago, um, I interviewed for just like a handful of them and to, to go to a, a theater directing MFA course. And <clears throat> there were f- uh, four in the States and then one in, in England. And of course I wanted to go to the English one, but I, I didn't want to screw up karma, so I wouldn't even say it. People would be like, well, what's your sweetheart pick? And I'm like, you know, I'm happy to go wherever. <laughs> I just really, I was trying to like channel the right energy. And, um, and it, it was the last interview of the day. I had slipped in the snow that was up to like my knees, like backwards. And so my suit was like all wet. My socks were all wet. Ugh. It was definitely out of a movie. And, uh, but they were like these, I looked really English. I looked very like proper. I was wearing like a, like a blue suit, skinny suit with these like mint socks and brown shoes. Like I looked, I looked real smart. And, uh, that was key. Cause the guy was like, you already look like you're, you're a Londoner, blah, blah, blah. Uh. And, but what was cool was at the end of the interview and it was going really well. Right. And I said to him, he goes, so why, why you and why this school? And I said, look, I don't have a fancy answer about my philosophy of directing or, um, what I believe are the, the fundamentals of theater, but my name is Whitby Flint Hertford. And if I don't live in London at some point in my life, I've slapped fate in the face. <laughs> and he stood up and he hugged me. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> and that, I think that's how I got into grad school. <laughs> well, cause at this point you, at this point already, you had done like film and in like production company stuff, right? At this point. Yeah, I started, I got a little, um, I was doing a lot of UCB stuff in my 20s, uh, mid-late 20s, and I loved it. I was on a ton of teams. I was doing a lot of sketch and, and improv and then like voiceovers and little, little, you know, guest star stuff on different shows. But I felt very much, I <laughs>
I remember I was on a, a an audition for a a, a Coca Cola commercial, and uh, it was to be a horse jockey. And I was like, okay, because I'm I'm five foot one. I'm not a tall dude, and um, I've always been the shortest kid in my class. Whatever, whatever. That's just me. That's trademark me. And I went to this audition. And I was like. Ah, what do I wear? She's like, I don't, you know, my agent was like, wear a helmet. And I don't know. So I had like a, I had like a, like a motorcycle helmet. And then I was wearing like an Adidas jumpsuit. It was really weird. And I walk in and it's all a bunch of little people, um, actual <laughs> actors that should be there for that role. <laughs> and I come in there as like the normie. And they looked at me with such disdain, like what, get the fuck out of here. And uh, I don't blame them. And I called my agent and I said, Hey, I don't want to be submitted for any like things that are just based off physical breakdowns anymore. Huh. And she went, okay, well, we're going to drop you then. Cause that's, you're only good to us in sort of that physical joke way. Really? <laughs> you're only brandable that way. Wow. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so then that led me, I, yeah, it like really shook me. And I said, fuck it. And I talked to my friend who was a, he was, he was shooting a lot of my sketches that I was doing with UCB or, and Funny or Die. And we were at a, we were at a Clippers game. And I just, I was like, dude, I think you're a better director than doing some of these YouTube things. And he was like, I think you're a better actor than playing leprechauns and <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. And I was like, thanks. So <laughs> he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to, I want to get the girl. He goes, what do you mean? I go, I want to be the non-traditional leading man, you know, like um, a heightened version of, of Ben Stiller and, and see if that, we can pull that off, you know, a Serge Gainsbourg for Southern California. Ooh. And, and so we did, we ended up doing these sort of like America new wave, um, fly on the wall. And that's where I met Lauren. That's where Stephanie Allen and I, um, joined forces. And I, I really sort of like poached a lot of actors from UCB, actors that I felt were like kind of dying to do th things. Not YouTube sketches. <laughs> well, they, that they had, that they had like something that they were kind of keeping secret and that it wasn't just jokes and improv, yeah. that there was, there was something of value there. And so I met a lot of my, my good friend, Matt Jones from Breaking Bad and a bunch of other stuff. He worked with me a ton and it was really exciting. You know, um, my friend, John Heater, who's like forever and ever just Napoleon Dynamite. He'll never shake it. And I put him in a drama. I put him in two dramas. That's amazing. That, we, that I wrote. And they, you know, they're little itty bitty stuff. Our, our company was called Sneak Attack. Um, but we, we did it without any compromises. And we went to festivals and people dug it. And the last one we, we did before the company dissolved and I went to England was we had a film that went to the Cannes uh, Short Film Festival. And... And that was insane to be in France, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, that is like for some, you know, cause when I, you know, I grew up obviously loving Jurassic Park. And then when I went to college, I was like, well, I'm just watching French new wave films from now on. Like that was yeah, my, yeah, I'm just yeah. watching Wong Kar Wai in the mood for love is my favorite movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we maybe had a similar kind of, kind of thing, but like it, it makes sense. I mean, to me going to count is like the peak of like, creative filmmaking it feels like almost it was pretty cool you know and my buddy who was la based I, w I was at that point already in in school in london and so it was kind of just a quick little flight 
Um, but he came all the way out because why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. You, you don't know if you'll ever get to do that again. So, it was a really special moment. But anyway, that sort of, that little left turn of going, you know what? I'm just not going to audition really anymore. Um, and actually what ended up happening was I made that change and then I started to like book more. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I would, I, you know, I'd book like a recurring on a couple different TV shows that were big TV shows. And I think it was this lesson of like, you don't want to be desperate because people can smell it. Yeah. And you really, really want to figure out who you are. And I think that that's a thing that I, I always tell young actors this. I'm like, you know, they go, what can I do? You know, if I'm coaching them or something, you know, what, what can I do to, <laughs> to be better at this thing? Yeah. And I'm like, um, live life more. You know, I had an acting professor uh, when I was in undergrad. She said it really beautifully. She said, you know, go, uh, go make some mistakes. Go to places you've never been before. Try a new food that you've never tried. Fall in love. Fall out of love. You know, go go experience the world, and that will always make you a better actor. And I I've taken that to heart in in everything in my life. Well, it feels like that. Then going to London and doing directing and theater just seems it seems to me just from you know standing back here listening like feels mm. like such a natural progression of really trying to get to the meat of like the craft and you know it feels like there's nothing more immediate than i was actually catching up uh, a friend of mine ali um she messaged me she found like a jurassic park the ride pin and she's like i couldn't think of anyone else who would need this more than you <laughs> but she was somebody where right at the end of my my uh, film undergrad um I like took a chance and did a one act, like directed a one act, which oh, I really? never directed theater before. It was the only time I've done a theater um, thing. And she was the actor in it where cool. she basically plays. She's this like, she's over this over six foot tall woman who plays like an angry Wally, like kind of thing. Oh, wow. It was such a fun. And it That's was like, a great idea. It was this like five minute or maybe 10 minute thing. And I don't know, like there's something there is some, I've never experienced something more electric than like watching a, like a live performance that you're directing. Well, you know, the thing for me was that I kind of just wanted to teach. So I was going, I was, I was applying and interviewing for grad schools uh, to kind of just get the paperwork. But then what happened was Lin London was so, it was such a transcendent moment for me where I really felt like I found, there's been a couple of moments of that, you know, sort of abandoning my religious past was one of those moments. Um, me uh, going through heartbreak and breakups and stuff. Um, that was another moment going to London, you know, where you start to accrue these times in your life where you can really do some internal work and you can really start to figure out who you are. And directing feels like it comes out of my, my nerve endings, you know, every fingertip. Because what happens is that for me, it's such a, it's, it's a really selfless endeavor because I'm there to the service of the story and the text and the actors, whilst I still get to kind of like make my own canvas. And in London and in, in Europe and Berlin, Amsterdam, those cities, there's, there's a sort of a movement that's, that's taken place probably within the last, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 years, where in Europe, um, in different places, there's a thing called director's theater, where, you know, um, 
if you, if you see a Wes Anderson movie, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And so there's a lot of directors in the theater world that sort of have adopted that where like they have a real sort of signature because, and especially in America, it's kind of always, they take the sort of you're in service to the story and to these other people a little too far. So then the director really sort of just becomes functional Yeah, and they not necessarily, they don't have to necessarily know how to talk to actors. They don't necessarily have to know about the process. And for me, that's what I love. Yeah. And I love, I, I direct one of my other <laughs> meetings with one of my mentors in London. They said early on in the course, you know, what sort of director do you want to be? And again, I was like, I, I don't have a polished answer for you, but I think I want to be 50% Johnny Rotten with the Sex Pistols and 50% Phil Jackson coaching the 92 Bulls. <laughs> I want to be like a little insane and a little bit zen. At, and and that's kind of been true. That's that's how I work, and I just love the rehearsal room, man. Like I, I love film, and I'm a big, you know, it's part of my upbringing. But I love a rehearsal period. I love four weeks where you and your little gang have this thing that you're building out of nothing, and and then you do it in real time, and nobody can say stop. Right? That once that play starts at 7 p.m. that night or whatever, it's live, man. It's an organism. And that's very exciting to me. And so that's, I, I think I'm kind of forever addicted. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was a thing that in my 20s, I purposely went to a really, um, or applied and got accepted, luckily, to a really revered um, BFA program uh, that was nestled in the mountains of Utah. A uh, guy from Juilliard oh, wow. um, named Kenneth Washington, he's, he's since passed, but he's a legend. And he wanted to, I don't, I don't know what, how it happened, but basically he found himself there in Utah and said, well, why can't we create something that's as good as Juilliard here? And so people would be turning down NYU and stuff like that when I was, when I was going to that school in the very late 90s, early 2000s. And I learned... It was a thing that when I was a kid, it was a cool hobby. I was really lucky to be an actor as a kid because it was a cool hobby. But I, even though I took it seriously, I wouldn't say that I knew what the hell I was doing. Sure. Right? I knew how to stand on a mark. I knew how to kind of like deliver a line so it sort of sounded like it was coming from my mouth. <laughs> um, but, you know, it wasn't until I, I figured out who the hell William Shakespeare was and who Anton Chekhov was and developed this love affair with these writers that I actually, I think figured, and you know, it's funny <laughs> people that would see me in these little student productions, uh, in my twenties, I think it was, especially, you know, my sisters and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think they were like, Oh, I think this guy's going to do this forever because <laughs> he actually really likes doing it. And he has something, he has some tools. Um, and you know, you don't really get to flex that in the film and TV industry. It's, it's really, it's all sort of about like how quickly you can do it, how polished it can be, but there's something very, very special. And I, I don't know, I think it's sort of my life's goal and my life's work to make theater um, cool again. It no, almost sounds that. like a, a Trump, a Trump hat, but <laughs> like, you know, like I really, in, in Europe, going to see theaters, like going to see a punk show, and it's very exciting. If you 
if there's a production or a director or an actor doing a, a play, you don't miss it. You know, you don't miss it. It's unmissable. It um can't be done again. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's been the... the that's tr- the thing, too. The, the, the ephemeral thing, too, like, I think is so intoxicating that it's like, once it's done, it's, it's done, and you've kind of given it to the universe, and it's really special that yeah. way. Well, yeah, and, and again, this, like, idea going from Jurassic Park specifically of, like, it was this, you know, two days, stuff that you filmed, you know, some stuff didn't end up in the movie, some did. It's like... You totally, you know, there's no through line where it's like with, like you're saying, this rehearsal period, it's like you were literally building a creature to let you're like creating, you know, you're like, it's not Frankenstein, but it's like, you're like literally, or I think of, um, what's the no, Frankenstein's yeah, totally Frankenstein, <laughs> but I was also totally. thinking, um, uh, far side where it's God rolling out the plate to be snakes, <laughs> you know, it's like that, but more, more elegant, but um, yeah. That's but, funny. But I mean, you know, there's there's this you actually it's like you can see the work and you can see the journey. All of it's in there. Well, and also, you know, I, I remember one of my favorites, William H. Macy, he said uh, somebody was at. Yeah, I, th- I think it was like an inside the actor's studio or something. But the question was, you know, what is the difference between the two disciplines of film acting and, and theater? And he said, acting is acting. I think it was Bill Macy, he, you know, and that's true. Um, yeah, sure, there's technique and there's different sort of um, tools, sets for different things. But at the end of the day, I think um, being the most truthful that you can be, risking things as in your performance, you know, again, nobody told me how to deliver that one fucking line. <laughs> yeah. Right? Nobody told me. I had to kind of just either nail it or probably get fired and replace that day. <laughs> I mean, that's easy to find another kid. And if I had just barfed out something that was like, I don't know, not as annoying, I guess it <laughs> needed to be that annoying for it to be sort of like live, you know, live on and on and on forever. The character of Alan Grant was certainly not the warmest character. So I feel like that this kid is giving him shit. It's almost like, there's almost like a little bit of a respect or like, Oh, okay. So you're going to play this way. All right. Like you kind of, it feels like it's almost like the most fun that Alan Grant has had in months, you know? Well, and you know, that is the thing. If you can look out on a film set. Um, and I had this, you know, with, with Robert England when I, when I did one of the nightmare movies, um, if you can have a scene partner, that is going to give you stuff that feels sort of like theater and you can kind of capture that. And absolutely. Sam Neill was not going to accept anything than total commitment from me. <laughs> and I, I knew that. I mean, you didn't have to say it. I got it. I was, I was intimidated in the best of ways and it really raised my game for two days of, you know, saying two lines. Yeah. I mean, it, he, he could have just phoned it in that day. And, and he didn't. And that was a big lesson to me. Um, and again, the thing with Steven was like, he was so down to earth. He was so, he makes you feel like you, you've been friends forever. He, I, you know, after my measly performance, he, he said, all right, that's a wrap on wit. Had everybody stop? Had everybody's clapping. Oh my I'm gosh. Like, I was like, well, you know, I was a glorified extra man for real. And he, he leaned in and whispered in my ear, I'll use you again, which I'm still like, 
I'm still a little bitter about, man. Mm. You know, if I'm 60, I, I, I was always going like, hey, was I supposed to be AI? Was I supposed <laughs> to be? <laughs> no, I'm I mean, he did say that. He legit did say that. And um, maybe he's just waiting. I don't know. But it made me still feel special. Still making movies, you know. I know. I know. Someday. I mean, someday. And that's why I kind of like, it's like, I love this stuff. I love acting and creating stories and and making art because um, I have to. And that may sound really corny and cliche, but I, I don't know of an existence where that part of my life doesn't exist anymore. And, and I think that that's why I've been able to kind of have a bunch of different lives. You know, yeah. I'm on like the seven of my nine cat lives. <laughs> yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, Whit, this has been so special. I really appreciate the time you've taken to talk to me and share with me your journey and your philosophy and all that Thanks, stuff. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it, man. Um, I just wanted to mention and wanted to ask really quickly. This feels more like a bonus question, but I, I noticed because <laughs> I and I saw it as a kid. But you were in Land Before Time. Uh, not the movie movie. Uh, no, the well, Land Before Time three, the time yeah. of the great giving. Uh huh. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, a lot of dinosaur stuff, right? I it is a very thematic part of my career, I guess. But I just, I just think I feel like um, if any listeners don't know that it's like you're in two iconic dinosaur franchises. Do you remember? Is is voice acting anything that has? Because I know you were in Clone Wars as well too. Like, yeah. is that a different kind of acting that you appreciate or or still have an interest in, or 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 like oh, I, or philosophically, does it does it is it feel different than other acting? Is what I'm trying to ask. To be honest, man, I love, I love voiceover work. I still do it. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I still sound like a six-year-old of the cold, so I should do it. Uh, but yeah, I no, I love voice acting because the, the thing about that also is that you have to be very self-sufficient. Again, a lot of the times you're doing stuff with nobody else. It's only the rare treats where you get to be in front of the mic stand with other actors. And then that's just like the best. But um yeah, when I did Clone Wars, that was that was exciting. Dave Filoni was in there. <sighs> so jealous. That's cool. Totally. And I remember they um again, this is where like had I not studied this stuff in my 20s and continued to be like sort of a forever student where I'm always curious and always 
trying to learn. Never, ever, ever feel that's it's death if you think that you're like a finished product. That's yeah. that's death, right? Mm-hmm. So, had I not studied this and and not gotten comfortable with taking risks, then you know there was a day where I was doing Clone Wars and like the guy who the guy who voices Yoda on that show wasn't there. I don't I don't know who he was, but he wasn't there. And Filoni wanted like kind of a proper table read. And so he was like, yeah, can anybody do Yoda? And my hand shot straight <laughs> up and it's not a great impression, but you know, I, you, you kind of have to risk, you have to throw yourself out there. And that was really exciting to just even do, you know, I think I did three or four episodes of that show, but I remember getting that manila envelope from, uh, from the Bay area that's, you know, Skywalker Ranch and all that stuff. And the letterhead man said, now that you're part of the Star Wars family wit and my knees like buckled, you know, I really felt like the specialness of that. I've never taken any of this stuff for granted. I mean, there were times where again, like it's cringy sometimes for me to revisit stuff I did as a kid because it's my adolescence. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, um, I'm very grateful because you know, it's Jurassic Park. It could, it could have been like, Ernest goes to camp, right? <laughs> it could have been like the worst. I'm so dating myself by even dropping that reference. But, you know, it could be kind of a shit movie. But instead, it's one of the greatest movies ever made and very near and dear to a lot of people. And so, for me, like, I'm so grateful that that, that happened. Yeah. Um, and so, like, this stuff is a pleasure for me, too, because I feel like we're, we're, we're chatting, we're talking, and you know, whoever ends up listening, like, it's because there's like a, a shared love of it. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's kind of a beautiful thing. Well, I think that's a, it's a, that's, I couldn't have picked a more perfect moment to end on. <laughs> um, Wit, again, this has been such a pleasure to pick your brain and I appreciate you sharing all these memories with me. It's been, I feel like I've, I feel like we've had some similar things and some, you know, our London experiences, my, my London experience was definitely didn't seem, wasn't as, um, it was transformative in different ways, I should say, but, <laughs> um, no, it was fun to reminisce. And, um, where, where can people, I want, I want, where can people check out those films that you made? Um, I feel like the one with Lauren too, especially cause she's also in the Jurassic fam. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so yeah, we, uh, so I think our, we kind of disbanded the company. Um, but I think our, our Vimeo page, it's called sneak attack films. Um, but we have our, our feature is still on iTunes and streaming places. It's called dream world. Um, the one that went to Cannes is called Wildlife, uh, one word, and it's about, you know, kind of the crossroads that this actual town in, in rural Utah, there's a train tracks, it's called Springville, Utah, and it's a little tiny town. And there are train tracks that poetically split the town from like the Breaking Bad meth side and then the like conservative religious side. And so I wrote a movie that sort of takes place within that area um and so that i think you can check it out through our vimeo page but um my theater company is called riot act and when you know when we're all safe and able to do stuff um i'm really excited to try to see if we can make some theater here in los angeles i think that that's a thing that a lot of people have tried to do uh 
So there's an, you know, we have an Instagram, the website's kind of uh, under construction because I'm figuring out different things we're going to do, you know, once we can kind of be normal people again after yeah. this apoc- apocalypse. But uh, yeah, th- that's kind of, that's my main passion is, is Riot Act and making making work with, with those things, you know. Well, awesome. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.